Okay, good morning, Central. I am, um, oh, let's try that again. You're all fourth graders, so when I say good morning, what are you supposed to say back? All right, here we go. Good morning, Central. All right, hey, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I was given absolutely no parameters for what to talk to you about, so this may or may not uh, fit the mold that you have established for your Monday chapel services, and so I apologize in advance for that. Um, when I talked with Pastor Zach, he said, Mondays are kind of like, you know, like real-life application. Okay. Um, what do you want me to talk about? We'll talk about being a teacher in McPherson. Okay. So I have um, a little bit outlined for you, and I hear you get to ask me questions. So if anything is unclear at any point, take notes, and I'll try to clarify it for you later. Um, but I'd like to start with a couple verses from the book of Matthew, um, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Uh, most of you probably are very familiar with these verses. Uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So I'm sure you've heard those verses before. You might have learned them in Awana or at church camp or if Pastor Zach was a youth pastor, he probably did a great sermon on them at some point. Um, and some of you like really resonate with those verses because when you grow up, you want to go and be a missionary overseas. Anybody? Is that anybody? No? Nobody? What kind of Christian school am I at? Okay, right here. I got one. Perfect. So that's you. You want to go and you want to serve overseas. And then the rest of you who didn't have your hands up are like, no, I am not. I am not called to be a missionary. I'm not called to go serve people. I'm going to go get a great job and live a great life and drive a nice car and live the American dream. But you're wrong. You are called to be a missionary. And so we are all called to service. 1 Corinthians 12 explains that each of us plays an important part in the body of Christ in the building of the kingdom on earth. So your mission field may not require to, you to leave the country. Remind me of your name, friend. Yeah. Kylie's going across. Where are you going to go, Kylie? Asia. Okay, perfect. Kylie's going to Asia. But some of you are going to be called to mission fields that look more like mine. So um, you are going to be challenged today. I'm going to hopefully use some scripture and my own personal experience to open your mind to the possibility that you were called into a labor of love, perhaps in a place that you would never willingly choose on your own, um, whether that's Asia, like Kylie, or McPherson, like me. I grew up in McPherson, and when I grew up in McPherson, um, McPherson didn't really recognize that there were people that looked like me in McPherson. I was not the only one. Um, there were several families, um, black and brown families, that lived in the area and went, sent their kids to school in McPherson. But when I grew up in McPherson, you couldn't go to Walmart and buy things for black hair. So I drove to Hutch or Salina to get things to do my hair or to get my hair done. Um, occasionally, some Central or Mac college students would come to our church and they would braid my hair for me. But then I had to go to school and explain why I had all those braids in my hair. So it wasn't a place that was welcoming to different. Um, and I don't know how many of you have, are from places like that that are not welcoming to different, whether it's different in look or belief or sound or culture. But McPherson was a lot like that for a long time. And um, I didn't have any teachers 
or staff members or faculty members that looked like me. So in my buildings as an elementary school student, um, I was one of a few, one of a handful of students that looked like me and there were no adults that looked like me. So when I grew up, I thought that my worth was based on my ability to dribble a ball, shoot a ball, uh, spike a ball, you know, whatever I could do athletically, that's what made me valuable as a student in McPherson School District. Um, in addition to having just a few students that looked like me, most of the students who looked like me didn't have parents that looked like my parents. Um, anybody from the South, like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, the South South, not Oklahoma. Okay, all right. So my parents grew up in small towns in Louisiana and Mississippi, and they came here for jobs. So when, when I tell you my parents are like country and black, they are country and black. And we didn't do a lot of the things that kids in McPherson did. But a lot of my other friends who looked like me had parents who didn't look like my parents. They were adopted or they were biracial students. And so I didn't have shared experiences with a lot of my classmates even that looked like me. So sidetracking for just a little bit, um, we didn't have a sustainable way to keep black families in McPherson at that time because you can't buy anything for your hair, you can't buy foods that you enjoy eating, uh, you have to travel to Wichita or Hutchinson or Salina to get the things that you need to survive. So why stay here? Just move. Unless they were here for a job, they didn't stay very long. And even when they were here for jobs, they often didn't stay very long. And so I wish I had real statistics and numbers to support what I'm about to tell you now, but for a lot of black and brown kids that grew up in McPherson and left, they hit a huge wall when they left McPherson. Like the real world slapped them in the face. They realized that there are, were other people that looked like them, but they didn't sound anything like them. They didn't dress anything like them. They didn't live anything like them. And a lot of those kids ended up in jail. They ended up pregnant or they ended up in the middle of a huge mental health crisis. Um, but that's another story for another time. But I just want you to keep that in mind as I continue to talk to you about my experiences in education here in McPherson. Um, so we're gonna fast forward through all of my other life struggles. Um, and I can maybe talk to you about that when you have a mental health awareness um, week or something. But I'm gonna talk to you then about coming back to McPherson Public Schools as an elementary teacher. So not that long ago, I was an elementary school student. I actually went to Roosevelt, which my directions are off, but I think it's back that way from where I am right now. Went to Roosevelt. Um, maybe five black students total in the building, and that's including biracial students. Fast forward now, I teach at Washington, which is that way, and I would say probably 30, 40 students of black and brown origin walk through the hallways, which is way more than I ever experienced as a kid, and that's in one building. The statistics that the district put out say that 20% of our population is non-white. But when I look at my colleagues, most of them are. Why am I telling you this? Well, I told you that we're called to mission and we're called to service. So as a kid growing up in McPherson, I didn't think I was gonna stay here. I wanted to go somewhere like Atlanta or Houston or Dallas or somewhere where there were people that looked like me. And I left for a while and I ended up back here because my mission field is McPherson, Kansas. 
because when I walk the hallways of Washington Elementary School and I see little girls with sweet little puffs and sweet little afros and cute little braids and they don't have anybody else but me that looks like them in the building, I feel like my job is to be a light for them, to let them see themselves reflected in the culture and the society in which they live. So being one of a few teachers, and I did see one more today, Pastor Zach, as I was at a district meeting. I think there are two of us now um, that work in the district. It feels like the whole weight of all of the African-American society is on my back. I can't be late. I can't speak out too loudly or be too angry or be too upset because I am the sole representation for my entire community in a district where it shouldn't be that way. Are any of you education majors? Raise your hand if you're an education major. We don't have any. One. Are you serious? Two. Raise your hands. Hi. Raise them high because I can't see. I'm an old lady. Three education majors. Four education majors. Guys, we need teachers. And we need teachers that look like our student populations. Any of you planning on applying for a job at McPherson School District? Those four of you that raise your hand. Not one. Not one. So imagine that you are a student of color in McPherson School Districts, and you don't see anybody who looks like you coming down the hallway. Whether or not you're black or brown, if you never see anybody who looks like you, if you never are validated in your experience as a human being, where do you go to find that? Kids spend so much of their formative years inside classrooms and inside schools. So we need teachers, we need people, we need adults who look like our students. So even if you're not an education major, I would challenge you to volunteer in a school district, volunteer in a classroom, volunteer at an after-school program, because kids need to see people who look like them being successful. So I have come to the determination that my job in this district is just, a much, just as much about the kids as it is about the adults. Um, I am there to see the smiles of those girls and boys. I am there to remind them that being ashy is a thing and there is a remedy for that. And it is called Vaseline. And you can use it and apply it to your elbows and knees and you will not look like you've been rolling in chalk all day because so many of these kids don't have parents who are able to have those conversations with them because they don't know and understand. If I could tell you the number of black and brown students I've had in my classroom who go home to adults who don't know how to comb their hair, you probably would be shocked. But it's a reality. And so I'm here for the kids, but I'm also here for the adults because I don't work with anybody else that looks like me. There are zero other brown people in my building. And so I have to say to them, hey friends, it is not something I want to participate in um, when you tell me you're going to be squirting water on my hair and expecting me to go back to work today. It's not happening. And let me tell you why. I have to explain some of the cultural things that they just don't get because they don't live that life. They've never lived that life and they don't have any frame of reference. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit, and I'm going to take you back to Scripture, and we're going to talk about Esther, who lived her life um, as a Jew. She was raised by her cousin until she came of age, and the moody king needed a new wife because he axed his old one, right? And so then she leaves everything she knows, 
and she moves into the palace and she um, wins the bachelor of her time, right? She gets the final rose and, and she becomes the queen. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say she didn't then just get to rejoin her community and see people who looked like her every day. The Bible has tons of examples of things like this where people are set aside and called apart to live lives separate from what they've known. And so my challenge to you is as you go out into the world, whether you're graduating this year or you have several more semesters that you need to accomplish, um, think about how you can go out into the world and do something different. We are called to be light and it's really hard to be light in a, in a bright room. In order for you to be light, you have to turn the lights off. It has to be dark. And darkness doesn't always look like unbelievers. Sometimes darkness looks like people who are unaware. And so for those of you who are non-white students, my challenge to you is to intentionally put yourself in positions where you can apply for jobs where you might be the only one or one of a few. Because the only way to make a difference and to educate people is to insert yourself with people who don't know any better. And if you are a white American student and you come from a traditional white family, my challenge to you is to insert yourself in communities where you are the only one that looks like you. Raise your hand. No, in fact, stand. Stand up if you've ever been in a room where you're the only person that looks like you. If you have been in a room where you are the only person that looks like you, stand up. Okay, so looking around the room, there aren't very many of us who've experienced that. You can have a seat. Thank you for being brave. I appreciate you. I walk into rooms every day where I'm the only one that looks like me. And being willing to do that doesn't just impact me, it doesn't just shape me and refine me, it changes the people around me as well. So you don't have to be a teacher, you don't have to be a doctor, you don't have to be any particular profession to step outside of your comfort zone and learn something different about the community around you. How many of you um, come from places where the population is more diverse than it is in McPherson? How many of you come from places that look a lot like McPherson as far as diversity is concerned? Yeah. Man, I don't know if you all are aware, but McPherson, Kansas is a goldfish bowl. It is a goldfish bowl. Do you know what I mean when I say that? It's tiny, right? And if you're in a goldfish bowl and you're a goldfish, you're like the king of the world, right? There's nothing bigger than you in that goldfish bowl. But for students at Central and for students at Mac and for students in my classroom who are going to one day leave this goldfish bowl and swim out into the ocean, you're going to find out that you're Nemo and fish are food, not friends. Oh, they laughed at mine. Okay, so, yeah, all right. I just, <laughs> I just want to finish up um, by saying this to you. Whether you need to uphold and represent your community in underrepresented, underrepresented areas, or you need to expand your view of the world, you have to decide 
what the best fit for you is. So maybe you're a me and there aren't enough of you and so you need to go represent your community. Or maybe you're a Pastor Zach and there are a lot of you and you need to go sit in on a Spanish-speaking church service or you need to go hit up Morning Star on Kansas Avenue and sit in a church with people who are all black and brown and don't worship the same way that you do. But if you go to Morning Star on Kansas Avenue, make sure you eat breakfast first because we are in church for a long time. Um, you'll be hungry. Amen. Yes. Um, okay. But decide which camp you fall into. And then I would like to challenge you to pray for the rest of this year about being intentional, about stepping outside of your comfort zone. Maybe it's not a lifetime commitment. I'm hoping and praying, Lord, let mine not be a, my, a lifetime commitment, right? I don't want to do this forever. It's hard. But has it opened my eyes? Absolutely. Have I changed lives? I hope so. And so... Um, as you move throughout the rest of your year, the rest of your educational career, and the rest of your life, keep at the forefront of your mind the intentional practice of choosing to be available even when it's uncomfortable. Choose to be mission-minded even when there's no glory in it for you. Choose mission fields that look like rural school districts, inner-city playgrounds, corporate offices, and healthcare facilities. Choose to be light, to be love, to be the hands and feet of Christ, even when it's more comfortable to clock in at a comfortable church service and clock out in time to catch the game. Go ye and preach the gospel, and go ye and be the gospel. Thank you very much. Sasha, thank you so much for um, for being with us and being willing to to come and share. Um, somebody, I won't say that. Um, no, go ahead. There, so I was sitting near somebody during your um, during your sharing with us, and they said, "I've never heard somebody who sounds so much like you, like me, in the way that they talk." <laughs> Compliment for me. I'm not sure it's a compliment for me. That's funny. Students, we have. If you want to ask questions, it's uh, open, and I will filter those and ask Sasha as they come in. So feel free if there's anything that you want more clarification on. If there's things that you want to ask, um, I'd be happy to ask her those things on your behalf. Um, I want to. There's a couple things that you said that sure. I, I want to spend some more time on. For you to say when you walk into a room um, in the school district, um, in your in your building, at, at meetings that are that are that are more than just your building, mm -hmm. saying you feel the weight of soul representation. Um, tell me, can you give me specific examples of times where you have wanted to act in a particular way, but then you've been like, wait, no, if I do that. Then, then essentially all of the African-American community is, uh, you know, on my shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think the biggest one is occasionally things will come up at meetings, and I will want to point out um, maybe some of the foolishness behind it, for lack of a better term. I'm not really doing a good job of cleaning up my words here, but sometimes things just don't make sense, you know, like, this, this is a plan that the district has laid out or this is a plan that my administrator has laid out and, and they're relaying it to me and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. But if I say it 
and it comes across wrong, or the message is not received well, or I don't sound professional when I say it. Now I have shut the door for every black applicant at USD 418 because we hired her and look what she did. Look what she said, you know, and so um, I, feel, I feel like I have to filter everything that I say and everything that I do, even um, the way that I dress. So we have theme days at school because we're in elementary school and so they'll have pajama day or um, sweatpants day and I feel like sometimes I can't really participate because, you know, if I show up and I look less than professional, do I get treated differently? So I have, um, I've taken my class on field trips and been mistaken for the teacher's aide because the teacher's aide is a white female and I'm me. So it's things like that that I just kind of keep in the forefront of my brain going, you know, you're the only one that looks like you, so you can't mess it up for everybody else. Do you still feel like an outsider in McPherson, even being here for as many years? Um, I don't know if I feel like an outsider so much as I don't feel like the community of McPherson has intentionally made room for people who are different. Um, I left McPherson, went away to college, and came back um, and got married and had kids. And, and it was that long before I could go to Walmart and buy something that I could use on my hair reasonably. Um, I used to have to, we would go visit my grandparents in Mississippi and take a box with us that we would load up with hair products so that we could bring back until we, we were able to go south again. Um, and so it's not so much that I feel like an outsider. I have friends, you know, I live here, I work here, I know people, but I just don't feel like there's an intentional space um, for people who are different um, culturally, racially, um, even religiously um, it, within McPherson. And so my one more soapbox example is my students don't come to school on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. They don't know why but they have the day off, but it's a work day for me. And I'm like, friends, that's my people. I shouldn't have to be at work. The rest of you can go if you want to, but I shouldn't have to be at work. That's my people. So the fact that we don't even talk about things like that, um, I think is frustrating. Can I, oh, so frustrated. Okay, um, somebody wants to know, how do you deal with the pressure of being the only? I have a phenomenal support system. My mom is here. And um, when I'm really feeling it, I will call and say, you will never guess what happened. Or mostly it starts with, I need you to pray for me because I need my job, like right now. In the name of Jesus, I need you to pray that I don't get fired today. Um, and my, my cooperating teacher, who does not look like me, um, but it has become a real ally um, for me in our school community. So having a support system helps a lot. So my teaching partner and I, we actually built a black history museum in our building for all of our students to be able to walk through. Um, and it was the first time it was done in the district ever. Um, and so having people that are willing to stand alongside you makes a big difference, I think. This is a fascinating question. Can you see it? No, I'm. Are you, are you, do you want me to be able to see it? Oh, oh yeah. 
to somebody who'd asked, would it make a difference if Sasha was a black man versus a black woman? Yes. Okay, I'm going to need you to unpack that a bit. I would love to. Um, okay, so this question is so deep, and I'm not going to be able to get to all the layers of it. Um, but yes, because especially in a community like McPherson where sports are such a big deal, a lot of our African-American young men are only valuable as athletes. So to have a black American teacher as a role model, I think would change the mindset of a lot of those individuals and perhaps impact them outside of a football field or a basketball court, but also yes, because I think as a black woman, there's an expectation of me to be loud and angry and um, extra, maybe is the word I want. Um, but as a black man, there is an expectation that um, he will show up late, he will be lazy, he will not want to be on committees. And so I think there's a different level of expectation um, for black men and black women it's still the same amount of pressure, and I, I wish that he was here. Um, we had a, a black PE teacher. Right yeah. yeah, we had a black PE teacher at Washington, um, and he left, uh, last year was his last year. But when he was hired on, um, before, he, before the school year started at the, all the end of the year meetings, the conversation was, oh, we probably don't want him on the math committee or the reading committee. Because why? Like, he's a certified teacher. Why would he not be able to be on the math or reading committee? But it was like this expectation that the only thing he was going to be good at was teaching PE. Um, the only thing he was going to be good at was handling the difficult, violent students because he was a man and he was a bigger man and that was going to be his wheelhouse, but he wasn't going to be able to do anything with academics or to be able to help students in that way. And so, yes, I feel like there's a different level of pressure for black men than there is for black women. And for the record, he, Mr. Parker, he was my daughter's favorite teacher, but still, you, Miss, Mrs. Parker. You can ask that one. Can I, which one? That one. This one? Yeah. All right, here's a question. Why does this feel so racist towards anyone who isn't black or brown? I'm glad you asked. It's not. Usually I filter those. No, I saw it. Those. And I wanted to answer it. Turn it back. Yeah, turn it that way. So, so here's Other the thing. Stuff on there on filters, right? It's not racist towards people who are not black and brown. But when you're the majority, when the, the playing field has already been built to meet your needs, it is hard. Um, it is hard to see the other side. And so I wanted. I was asked to present the other side. Okay. Um, Let's just do a real quick stand-up sit-down, if you wouldn't mind. Stand up if you've ever um, had to struggle to find Band-Aids that match your skin tone. Stand up if you've ever struggled to find Band-Aids that match your skin tone. Stand up. Okay, so look around and see who's standing up and who's not. You can sit down. It's not about racism. It's really not about racism. Because I love my white students just as much as I love my black and brown students. 
I love my Spanish-speaking students just as much as I love my English-speaking students. But not everyone, de nada, not everyone has the same access. And that's what this is really about. And it's about making yourself accessible to people who don't have the same access. Some of you are going to be in for a rude awakening when you get to heaven if you think it's going to look like McPherson, Kansas. Because it's not. That's the tweet right there. All right, how do we, how are we doing on time? We're doing great. Um, how, I gotta figure out how to say this with correct English, give me a second. Okay. How do we encourage diversity without just being diverse for diversity's sake? So, here's the thing. Um, I don't know if you know, but the Jewish population of McPherson is not super huge. Um, but every once in a while, we get a family, um, and there's a Jewish student. And so do I every year talk about Hanukkah? Absolutely not. But if I have a student, and that's their experience, I try to make it available to them. I try to allow them the opportunity to share their experience. So I think being inclusive is more important than being diverse. In McPherson, I mean, unless you're going to go farm out some people from Wichita or Salina, you're not going to increase the diversity. It is what it is. But you can increase the inclusion. You can make it possible for the diverse populations that are already here to have a voice, to be represented, to feel included, and to feel like their opinions matter. Um, no, McPherson is not a Wichita. It's not a Kansas City. It's not a major metropolitan area. And so maybe shutting down schools for the entire month of February to celebrate Black History Month is not a thing we should do. But should we acknowledge that it exists? Absolutely. Should we shut down the entire school district for Native American um, Heritage Month? No, but this year we got to acknowledge that it existed. And so I think it just starts with an acknowledgement that there are things outside of what you know that are still acceptable and cool and worth delving into. Actually, um, it is. So I came back because I had um, I'd made some bad life choices, for lack of um, a better way of saying it. I got married, um, I got divorced, and I needed support, and my mom was here. So I came back for that reason. Um, and I stayed because I still needed support. I actually had, have had several job offers from more diverse school districts um, that pay more. But I, I can't afford to leave right now because I have two small children at home that can't drive themselves to where they need to be. Um, but aside from that, I mean, if I'm really honest with myself, I think I am back primarily because this is where God wants me to be right now. Because I could make it work in a different school district. I could figure it out. Other single moms do it all the time. But I feel like um, McPherson needs a voice. And right now, until someone better comes along, I am that voice. Have you ever had a student ask you to help them with their hair? How do you shape your classroom to help those students feel seen? 
I have had a student ask me to help uh, with their hair. I've had multiple students. And actually last year I had um, a young man who moved in from foster care in Derby. Um, well, he was from Derby. He was placed in foster care here in McPherson. And his foster parents did not know what to do with his hair or his skin. And so I, we actually, um, we got him a little bag that I kept in the closet in my classroom that had hair products and lotion and um, all kinds of things that if he came in and he felt like he was not looking his best, he could take the bag to the bathroom. And I showed him, you know, what he needed to do and how he needed to take care of it and he could take care of it himself. Um, so, yes. And occasionally girls will come in and their hair will be cute and then it will get wet. And those of you who have some extra curly kinky hair, you know what happens. And so you just have to touch it up a little bit. Um, and how do I shape my classroom? Um, repeat that for me. How do, you, how do you help those people in your classroom be seen? Help those students feel seen. Um, I think it's, again, just about intentionality. So I try in my classroom um, to build relationships with all of my students. So I figure out their favorite football teams, their favorite instruments, their favorite comics, what they like to do, um, and then I try to play on those all year long. And so if I know I have a student who thinks he's going to be the next um, Travis Kelsey, then I go play football with him, right? Um, I'm a Saints fan, so we play on that a lot in my classroom. When the Saints win, they get candy. Um, but if, the, if another team wins, I will call, I will call that out, you know, Kansas City won this weekend, that's awesome, or whatever. So I think it's about playing on the strengths of your students, and you can only do that when you get to know the personality of your students. And that doesn't matter what color your student, it doesn't matter what color your student is. Um, but then once you, you know those strengths and you can play on them in the classroom and build um, those character traits that are positive inside and outside the classroom, I think that's what helps those students be seen. So what you're saying is you're just like a really good teacher. <laughs> like you're an amazing teacher. I do I, what I can. Um, I have two more questions. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to, we'll, we'll pray and, and maybe. Um, the first is I really loved the way you talked about light, that sometimes light looks like awareness, um, that I, I move from ignorance, from not, not being aware to being in the light, being, being becoming aware of something that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to give some examples as you think about that in this conversation, uh, maybe working with coworkers, working um, in this community, some examples of people moving from, oh, I just, I didn't know that. Um, sure. So I like that you said that. Um, one of my mom's favorite things to quote at me is, as you come to the light, walk in it. So um, two years ago, I think, maybe three, um, there was a group of teachers um, in my building and around the district um, that got together to do a Be the Bridge um, book discussion. And it was hilarious because you're supposed to have, you know, for every non-white um, person, you're supposed to have a white person. So it's like balanced. Except we had like six white people and like two non-white people because we couldn't balance it very well in McPherson. Um, but that was the first time when I really heard people say, I never thought of it like that. I didn't know that. Um, I relayed the story of being afraid at my job when I had a customer throw change back in my face because they didn't want to touch me. Um, because they, I guess they were afraid it was going to rub off. But I use lotion, so it's not coming off. Um, 
And for this woman to look me in my face and go, I, I, never, I never thought about that. I never thought about how you might be afraid to do certain things in town or be afraid to be certain places in town. It just never even crossed my mind. Um, and so I think all of that, though, starts with being able and willing to have conversations that are honest, vulnerable conversations. Like, at the point in time, I'm not willing to share my story with anybody else. They can't see the light. Like, they can't walk in that. I don't know if I answered your question at all. That's great. Okay. Um, last question. Okay. And I'll do, I'll share a little bit of the story before I invite you to, to speak to this. Okay. Um, so I, I shared with you a number of weeks ago, last, I don't remember, it's been a minute. Um, I talked you through sort of the adoption journey that we went on with our youngest daughter, um, Isabella. And one of the most powerful things um, that I will always cherish is that we got this card in the mail to our house. Uh, we opened up this card, and it was after we had, um, they, they had ruled that we were going to be able to adopt Bella, and we celebrated, and we, you know, shared on social media. Hey, those of you that were praying for this, thank you so much. We get this card in our mailbox, and it's from the Morning Star Baptist Church in McPherson. Um, now, here's a church that our youth ministries have done some things together. Like, I knew, I knew some people that were part of that church. I was invited to preach at a thing there. I knew Sasha and some others that were there, but had no idea that this church in our community had been fervently praying for Bella on our behalf. And it was this card from this church just saying, we've been praying for you. We want you to know that our church is celebrating with you as you get to adopt um, this, this child. And so I share that story to say that there's somebody that's asked in the questions, and I actually written it down to land here. Morningstar Baptist Church is where you attend. It's on Kansas, Kansas Avenue. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to promote your church <laughs> and your space to this body. Oh, because it is such a great group of people. And so there's people that want to know. They say, what time is your church? Okay. Um, so Church starts ahead. at 1045. Um, what time does it get over? Um, you know what? We've been doing better since covid it's about 12.15. That's cool. It's only an hour and a half. That's cool. I laugh at you because I've been driving lunch. <laughs> we like, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> used to be one. Used to be one. Yeah, we're doing better. Um, no, uh, we are, we're really small. Um, at this point, I think we're all African American. Um, we lost several members during COVID. Um, but we are your stereotypical black church. Like, there's the shouting, there's the dancing, there's the preaching. I mean, it's all the things. So if you want to come experience it, 1045, um, you might want to come a little late and catch breakfast, I'm telling you, because um, we'll be there a minute, but we would love to have you. Um, prior to COVID, we, um, we did have a lot of Mac and Central students visiting us, and we don't really anymore, so we would love to have you all. They are, it's an amazing church. If you get an opportunity, it is, um, it's just, just a phenomenal um, place. Um, and and I know that when you come in here on Mondays and Wednesdays, there are some of you that chapel. Like, look, I don't I don't connect with chapel. It doesn't look like church, like I'm used to church looking like. And so I hear you. I get that. Um, and so know that there are those opportunities um, in this person. Um, Sasha, I'm wondering if you would be willing to pray for us as we Absolutely. This morning. Yeah. 
Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the students who are gathered here, Lord. We realize that they have traveled, some of them, and uh, some of them are tired, but they made an effort to come meet with you this morning, and so we just ask that you would honor that. Lord, we ask that you would um, settle your spirit in their, in their souls this morning, Lord, that they would feel a real connection with you and a real pull and a real uh, draw to be intentional about making space for others, Lord, whether they look like them or not, Lord, whether they sound like them or not, Lord, that they would just reach out and love and be light in their community, Lord, whatever that looks like, that they would be your hands and your feet. Um, Lord, I just pray, pray a blessing over this, um, this campus, Lord, over their pastor and over each faculty and staff member. I ask that you would continue to keep them well and keep them safe and keep your hand of protection over them, Lord, until they um, go their separate ways at Christmas break and beyond. Lord, I realize that you are fostering a generation of truth speakers, Lord, a, a generation that will go out as John the Baptist did and, and cry in the wilderness, Lord. And so I just ask that you would embolden them and equip them for the task that you have ahead of them. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.